I have enjoyed preaching the map. <laughs> I don't know if we're finished yet. I was talking to the Lord this week. I, I don't know if I can get finished this morning, so we may have to continue it a little bit. But um, several of you have indicated that this has helped you as well. Dealing with seven points in a geographic area around the promised land that helps us learn about our own personal journey with God. Remember what number one is, right? Egypt. Egypt represents sin, represents slavery, represents bondage. Does God want to stay in Egypt? No, wants us out of Egypt, wants us in the promised land. Genesis chapter 12, I'm giving you a land. I'm giving you this as, as your promised inheritance. We leave Egypt. We come out of Egypt, we realize there's water in front of us, there's Pharaoh's army behind us, mountains on both sides, but we have a crisis experience. We, we get saved. We go through the Red Sea. There's a moment in time when we give our hearts to Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he delivers us out of sin and sets us free, takes our place? We get out of the other side of the Red Sea and we realize that the promised land is not not next door. (laughs) It's a little ways off. There's a desert in between. There's some things we learn in the desert. Even Jesus was led by the spirit to the desert. The desert, we learn how to trust and obey. We're asking God to get out of some of the Egypt. We got out of Egypt. Now we're wanting Egypt to get out of us. And so we're learning how to trust and obey. We go to Mount Sinai and there's a covenant relationship with God. We go to Kadesh Barnea, the southern border of Canaan. So many people go, this is where they are in their spiritual walk. Get right up to the border of what God has for them. Remember the story, 12 spies, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. But the others said, oh, no, no, it's a great land, but the, but the people are there. And so in a moment of spiritual decision, they back up. They wimp out of everything that God has for them. What happens? <laughs> There's consequences in these spiritual moments of decision. For every day, 40 days that they were in the promised land spying it out, there's a year of wandering in the wilderness, doing laps in the desert. Several stories we learned from that. Phineas stood up and, and dealt with sexual immorality in the camp of Israel. We learned about as the, the poisonous snakes, if they would just look to the golden snake, if they would believe they could look and live. If you remember, we talked about three tribes that that said, we're going to change our inheritance. We want to live here on this side of the Jordan River. And they refused to go any further. There's danger in that. When we say, no, God, this is what I this is good enough. This is the inheritance that I want for me. And we stop short of going into the fullness of the blessing. Two weeks ago, we came to another river crisis experience this is point number 6 of crossing the jordan river it's the experience of entire sanctification 
It's where we cross over another moment in time when we say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm consecrating my whole life to you. Remember, there's two stages. There's the one moment of where we cross over the Red Sea, and that's salvation. And then here, Jordan is representative of the deeper life. Do we have the slides this morning, brother? Are they working with me? Let's go to that scripture in Deuteronomy, if they will. I love this verse. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord, what? Brought us out. Say it with me. Brought us out of Egypt that he might what? Bring us in. Some people get out of Egypt, but they never get into the Canaan land. The Red Sea is represented by the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pentecost represents the crossing of the Jordan and the deeper life and the fullness of the blessing that God has for us. Well, look at this chart with me. The Red Sea is getting out of the old life of sin and defeat. Jordan River is getting into the new life of holiness and victory. Salvation is what God does for us. Sanctification is what God does in us. In salvation, there's a change in my status. I am made right before God. In sanctification, there is a change in my nature. There is God does a cleansing work that changes the default button of my life. Instead of wanting to go my own way, I choose to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love my neighbor as myself. There's a forgiveness from sin and salvation. There's a cleansing of sin in sanctification. In Egypt... In the old life, we're walking in the flesh. But when we come across the Jordan River, we're walking in the Spirit. And there's a life of victory and fruitfulness and holiness. Jesus wants to get us out of the bondage. Everything that hinders us from becoming what we were created to be. And then we enter into the Spirit-filled life of fruitfulness and victory over all that opposes the plan of God for my life. And if you remember two weeks ago, I just want to go over this scat outline that that's a simple way for us to remember. How do we get across the Jordan River? You remember this? You can do it. S means thank God for saving me. This experience is for believers. Romans 12, 1, 2, brothers and sisters, I beseech you by the mercies of God. This is for those that have had their sins forgiven. This is the experience I be, that you yield your bodies as living sacrifices. So thank God for saving you and then consecrate, dedicate all your life to Him. God, I'm giving you my checkbook. I'm giving you my calendar. I'm giving you my relationships. I'm giving you everything. Don't hold back anything from God. Consecrate it. Dedicate it all to God. And then ask Him to sanctify it. What does that mean? That means set it apart for a holy use. Every aspect of my life set apart for God and for the kingdom of God. You know what? He wants to do that. Trust him that he'll do exactly that. Acts 15, 9, he purified their hearts by faith. By faith as we trust him to sanctify every part of our lives. He brings us into this experience. There's a moment in time, but it's also a process of growing in faith, growing more Christ-like. That's what I want to talk to you about today. 
Finally, we're in the land of the promise. The wanderings in the desert are open or over. Here they will possess their inheritance and experience blessings and rest. Here they are home. But wait a minute. Somebody's living on my land. This is this is my land. And it says in Scripture that as soon as they got across the river, they didn't have to eat manna anymore. They could eat off the fruit of the land. Whoo, there's some good stuff here in Canaan. But somebody's living on my land. What are we going to do now? <laughs> Welcome to your inheritance. There's people living here, and they live in fortified cities, by the way. There's three realities about this abundant life I want you to get this morning before we get into the word. Number one, the blessings are indeed great and free. I was reading in the message from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, it's paramount that you keep the commandments of God. Your God, walk down the roads he shows you, reverently respect him. God is about to bring you into a good land, a land with brooks and rivers, springs and lakes, streams out of the hills and through the valleys. It's a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and pomegranates, of olives, of boudin and gumbo and chicken. It's a good land. It's a land where you'll never go hungry, always food on the table, a roof over your head. It's a land where you'll, you'll get iron out of rocks and mine copper from the hills. After you've had a meal and you're satisfied, bless God for the good land He has given you. Can I tell you, it's a good land. And Paul said it this way, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has anybody even imagined the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. The abundant life is is awesome. Oh, I wish that somehow this morning the Holy Spirit can help me paint a picture for you. This is your inheritance. It's a life of victory over sin and fruit unto holiness and victory. It's a land full of blessings and they're free. But can I tell you this morning, it's also the reality that the battles are fierce. Though they've reached their destination, their journey is not done. Now they've got to possess their inheritance. They've entered the rest of God, but there's still work to be done. Now, they, they stop at a place called Gilgal. Oh, it's a place of covenant relationship with God. See, the old first generation, they had been circumcised. And now God speaks to Joshua and he says, I want you to circumcise the second generation before we go any further. Wow, what's this all about, God? God was saying, I want you to be different. There's people living on your land, but you're going to be different. And it's going to be known that you are a different kind of people. You're not going to live like Canaanites. No, they're, they're, they're perverse generation. You are going to be circumcised. There's going to be a difference. A separation from the Canaanite practices and a sanctification of one's sexuality. A sign of a covenant relationship with God. God takes us serious. I believe the Holy Spirit wants, it, it, Paul and the, and the prophets talked about a circumcision of the heart.
A cutting away of the part so that the whole could be consecrated to God. Can you hear me this morning? This is what God wants to do in our hearts. Not only are the battles fierce, but the choices are God's. We learn in Joshua that the land was divided by lots. <laughs> no one got to choose his own inheritance. Casting lots ensures that the decision is God's alone. Hear your pastor this morning. Those who insist on choosing their own inheritance invariably regret it. Don't choose your own inheritance. Allow God to... To move in your life. Just live the surrendered life. You remember me talking to you a couple of weeks about the pastor? He was driving. God wanted to sanctify his heart. He pulled off the side of the road and he had a funeral. He had a funeral right there. He said, today I die. I die to my will. And then you get to live. <laughs> then you rise to walk in newness of life with fruit unto holiness. God gives the best to those who leave the choices with them. Okay, so we've come through the Jordan River. We're looking at our inheritance. Somebody's living on our hand. Can I tell you? We got to go to war. We got to go to war. You say, well, that's not very politically correct. I don't like talking about soldiers and battles. Well, it's biblical. Exodus says the Lord is a man of war. <laughs> and guess what? You and I are created in his image. When our hearts are carnal and sinful, this desire to fight has tragic consequences, doesn't it? <laughs> but God doesn't want to take this urge to fight away from us. He wants to just sanctify this urge to fight. And he's looking for some warriors to join him in the kingdom work. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul told Timothy. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ. You're going to have to go to war. I'm going to have to go to war if we are going to enjoy everything that God has for us. It's not walk across the Jordan, put it on cruise control, sit back and relax and slide into glory. No, it doesn't happen like that. You're not going to have to fight. Soldiers of Christ. In the battle of Jericho, we get a model for spiritual warfare. They come across the Jordan. They're looking at Canaan. And there's this fortified city, Jericho, sitting in my way. What do we do? This story introduces to some secrets of spiritual warfare and victory. Four things a soldier of Christ may know. you got to listen quickly this morning. Number one, know what it means to know. Check out this scripture. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Well, that's interesting. You see, most of us have a Western concept or a Greek concept of knowing something. We know about it. We intellectual. We analyze it. We're able to talk about it. Are you with me? But in the Hebrew mind, to know was to experience it. It was to, it was to experience it. Even in Genesis chapter 4, it said Adam knew his wife. It wasn't just talking about sexual intimacy. In that Hebrew, it, it was that he experienced it. 
We got to know about spiritual warfare. We got to experience it. This past week, I've been to a Saints games before, and not very many Monday nights. Last weekend, it was working out, and the Drew's talking about bringing your Bibles to school and the controversy that ensued around that and our work in connection with focus on the family the president of focus on the family said i want to come down i want to support drew i want to go to the game i told my i told my boss and the family forum sunday night i said i can't go if my son can't go i just i can't do that i can't go to a saints game without brennan that's just and he said dad i i agree with that that's yeah so i go to work and then Dr. Daly is coming with an entourage. And and Gene says to me, he says, I really need you. I need you to help me host these guys. There's no way to get in. There's not an extra ticket. And so I had to go. (laughs) Had to go to the Saints game. It was like a playoff experience. I mean, it was was energy in the room. I mean, half the crowd had referee shirts on. And in the last game that they had and the horror, I don't want to even go into the details of that. The game goes back and forth, and there's seven minutes left in the game, and, and Gene's ready to go, and I'm not ready to go. I know we shouldn't leave, but Dr. Daly's outside doing a Laura Ingram interview, and so we, we say goodbye to him. We listen to and I mean, last minute of the game, you needed to be there to experience But I was there for part of it, and I got to experience it, and it was awesome. Spiritual warfare, you and I, we can't just talk about it. We got to go to war. We got to experience. We've got to know what it means to know. The deeper life is all about conflict and battle. You'll never possess your inheritance until you personally experience spiritual warfare. Until you know how to be a good soldier and fight the good fight. God wants you to know how to go to war. Most of our New Testament, Paul writes from prison. It's not from the golf course. It's from prison. He knew how to go to war. Not only do we need to know what it means to know, but you and I need to know the commander in chief. Oh, this is going to bless you this morning. Look at Joshua chapter 5. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man, capital M, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. (laughs) But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Thus the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Can I tell you this morning, the turning point in the battle of Jericho happened before the battle even began. It happened even before the battle began. Who is this? Are you for us or against us? Neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Jesus himself showed up even before the battle began. 
most important issue in settling the possessing of our inheritance. Hear me carefully this morning. The most important question in going into the promised land is settling this question. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Joshua could have said, I am. I'm the Lord's anointed. I'm supposed. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> the Lord himself shows up to fight this battle. The battle is often. This battle about who's in charge is often greater than the battle itself, isn't it? The real question is not whether God is on my side. The question is whether I'm on God's side. The Lord is saying to Joshua, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. I came to take over. Friends, this is the principle for our lives in this, knowing our commander in chief. Victory comes through surrender. Are you with me? You want to possess all that God has for you? You've got You've got to kneel. Remember Brother Michael said it last week. He said, you got to live down here. you just got to stay low. No pride. Just stay low. Victory comes through surrender, my friends. He'll fight the battle. You and I have to say, I've settled the question. Jesus, you are in charge, not me. We don't stay in the front seat trying to co-pilot. No, we get in the back seat and let him drive. We win by losing. The first creed of the early church, they knew that. They just kept declaring, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You have to know, you have to experience the commander-in-chief. This is why it's so important for you in possessing your inheritance, me possessing my inheritance. The key is intimacy with Jesus. That's why I ask you... Read your Bible every day. That's why I beg you to go to the Lord in prayer every day. If you're depending on your spiritual growth to be coming into this church or any other church, wonderful church in this city, it will be a failure, my friends. The key, we're just coming here on the weekend to celebrate all that God's been doing in our lives. The key is intimacy with Jesus day in, day out, walking in the Spirit. Let's look at what happens in chapter 6. Now Jericho was severely shut up, securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. They hadn't even had a battle yet. And the Lord's saying, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets, ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before them. Hallelujah. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, y'all. Know your commander-in-chief. And now we got to know our enemies. Discerning the enemy is harder than you think. You see, Rahab was a citizen of Jericho. 
She was a prostitute. She was the last person you would think God would use. But but can I tell you, she's not the enemy. In fact, God uses her and her family to let the spies in and they save her family. She's not the enemy. (laughs) She's a great heroine of the faith. So who is the real enemy, Pastor? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who our real enemy is. You think you're at odds with someone? I have to tell myself, and especially at my work at the Capitol, when there's opposing organizations, I have to remind myself, this person is not my enemy. This person is not my enemy. The forces of darkness are my enemy. These things, these questions will help us recognize whether I'm confused about the enemy of my real enemy. But ask yourself this question, is this God's enemy or just mine? <laughs> What is my motivation in fighting? Is it hatred? Is it competition? Is it greed? Is it revenge? What's my motivation for fighting this spiritual warfare? Or is it the glory of God? Here's another thing you can test. Because Jesus tells us to, to love our enemies. So here in the middle of spiritual warfare, we've got to do a little love check. Do I love my enemies? Have I forgotten the bigger issue by making this conflict too personal? Mighty God, help us. Know your commander-in-chief. Know your enemies. And then, there's another thing. Know your strategy and your weapons. Know your strategy and your weapons. Don't you love this story? Don't you love this account? The most amazing thing about this battle is the strategy employed and the weapons used. No catapults, no battering rams, no siege towers, no AK-47, no missiles... With iron, the strategy God wants us to follow and the weapons He wants us to use are just as important as the battle itself. Why? Second Corinthians. For we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are, but have divine power. Everybody say divine power. You have divine power to destroy strongholds. And it's not a bullet. It's connection with the Lord and commander. And his battle plans are just different than ours. (laughs) If we use weapons of the flesh to fight battles of the spirit, we'll never accomplish the Lord's purposes. You and I have got to fight the Lord's battle the Lord's way. Paul gives this description, doesn't he? Every night. It's just something Brennan, actually, he, he, he expects it now. When we pray over him, we pray the whole armor of God. And I include myself in that when I'm praying for my son or Carmen's praying for him. We start, and, and we, it's easy to remember the helmet of salvation and go down to the, to the feet shod with the gospel of peace. But as I study in this week, I, I, I realized I'm, I'm praying that wrong in order. I think it's okay and the Lord will interpret that. But if you study Ephesians, it'll tell you how you get ready. And you start with the belt of truth. 
You put that on, and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then before you get all the other garb on, you go ahead and down there and get your feet put on. Get the, the, the gospel shoes put on so you can publish the good news. And then put on the helmet of salvation. It's like a football player. They, they're standing on the sidelines, but they're ready. The coach is getting ready to put them in, and they got to put their helmet on. And so that's one of the last things to get put on. And then I'm going to grab my sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wow! How can a way, young man keep his way pure by living according to God's word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the thoughts and intents of man. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You and I got to have the sword of the spirit if we're going to fight a spiritual battle God's way. Turn off the TV, turn off the Facebook, just at least get some scripture, get some word of God, memorize it while you're going down the street. That'd be a good place to say amen. Y'all got quiet all of a sudden. This is practical. You say, preacher, you're getting a little bit too close. Well, let the plow down. Lord, show us today. We've got to learn how to fight our battle. This is how I fight my battles. I may be surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. The commander of the Lord's army is here to fight my battles and to fight you. He wants every one of us to live in victory over sin and this world. To fight spiritual battles with worldly weapons is to lose the battle even if we win, friends. i I got to quit here in a moment, but... This is why I'm thinking the Lord may want to speak to us a little bit more. The instructions as the people of Israel went into Canaan was to utterly destroy the Canaanites. Utterly destroy them. And they didn't do it. I thought, my God, my God. That's where a lot of us are living. We've crossed over. We want the victory. But we have not listened to your instructions to utterly destroy. Listen to me carefully this morning. If God has spoken to you about pornography, you have to utterly destroy that Canaanite. You cannot play with fire. It's got to be utterly destroyed. Maybe God has put his, his finger on another stronghold in your life. And my friends, in, the, in just the... <laughs> With the Lord's call and invitation to you, don't play with fire. Don't say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this in my life. No, if God says it's got to go, utterly destroy it. Utterly destroy it. God has a plan for us and our victory. He's got a battle plan. Can I tell you the enemy has a battle plan too? The enemy has a battle plan for your kids and for my kids. He will just let the world squeeze them into its mold if you'll let them. That's why God says when you're going down the road, when you're walking down the street, talk about this. Carve it, engrave it into their hearts. Talk about it when you're sitting at the dinner table. Well, that's a good idea. That's discipleship in the home. The, the world has a plan for your kids. The enemy has a plan for your kids. And it will, it will, it's not anything according to God's word. 
So we got to say, okay, I'm going to war. I'm going to war for my own spiritual soul. I'm going to war for my family. And I am going to fight. Put on the whole armor of God. And utterly destroy those inhabitants that are living on your inheritance. God has a plan for us to live victorious. Oswald Chambers, I was reading in my devotions a couple of weeks ago, the Lord's teaching was also always anti-self-realization. His purpose is not the development of a person. His purpose is to make a person exactly like himself. And the Son of God is characterized by self-expenditure. If we believe in Jesus, it's not that what we gain, but what he pours through us that really counts. God's purpose is not to simply make us beautiful, plump grapes. I got to thinking about, remember we, when we, when we crossed over, we, we spied out the land, we brought in some big old green grapes. Well, I brought you some big old plump purple grapes today. God's purpose is not to make us beautiful, plump grapes, but to make us grapes so that He may squeeze the sweetness out of us grapes might get stomped on grapes might get squeezed but there's a sweetness coming out of what God's putting you through and putting me through and it's all about him and the kingdom and it's sweet ah Don't resist him squeezing you. It's part of a plan to make you sweet. The alabaster box could be extravagant. Why, why, why are you allowing that, God? Just let her do it. She, she had found the secret. It was all extravagantly poured. God, it's not about me and you. It's about the kingdom of God. Canaan is not for us to go in and sit there and just camp out. No, we got to tell others about Jesus. And so in the victory, in the power of the Holy Spirit, He'll let us go. He'll, we'll have to fight some battles, battles, but there is victory. He's actually already won the victory. We just got to walk in it. Andrea, the battle this week, I told her, I said, the battle wasn't won Thursday when we found her dad. It was found in the war. The battle was won in the war room of her home where she was calling out to God the last weeks and months. Where are you on this journey this morning? Salvation is a journey. Not everyone who starts the journey finishes the journey. Many people have enough faith to get out of Egypt, but they don't have enough faith to get into Canaan. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord giving a great invitation today. Come over into Canaan land where the milk and honey flow. Come over into Canaan land. Do you want spiritual mediocrity? Or do you want the fullness? Do you want all that God has for you? I want you to stand with me this morning. The Spirit of God is here. If the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and you say, Pastor, the Lord, Holy Spirit's talking to me, I want all of Canaan.
then I'm just going to give you an invitation. We're going to have lunch in just a minute, and I'll pray for the lunch. But before we go, do you want to respond to the truth of God's Word and spiritual victory, fruit unto holiness this morning? God, speak into your heart. I'm just going to give you a moment to come. Nick sings or plays through something. Let's just, let's just respond to God's truth to us this morning. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. Say yes to God. I don't want spiritual mediocrity. I want all that you have for me, God. I want all that you have for me. You died and rose again. I'm forgiven. Let's, let's just mind God. If God's speaking to your heart, if your heart is pounding, come to this altar this morning. An invitation to cross over. The commander of the Lord's army is here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I need you this morning, God. Sanctify us this morning. We consecrate it all to you. How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. God bless these hearts. In all I do, I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us today, God. Mighty warriors for the cross gathered here in your name today. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Oh, oh, amazing love, how can it be? Thank you, God. How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Oh, amazing love, I know that it's true. It's my joy to honor you. Oh, amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die would die for me, oh, amazing love, I know, I know that it's true, and it's my joy to honor you, in all that I do, Lord, I honor you, Amen. in all I let me honor you, Jesus, you are my 
This is the real question. Who's in charge? If we settle the question, who's in charge? That's the battle right there. So, God, whether we're kneeling or whether we're standing, we're settling the question. God, I pray that we just completely relinquish the controls to you this morning, knowing that you are in charge and you are our king. You are the commander of the Lord's army today. We can't help but fall down and worship you and say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And God, then that's when you give us the battle plan. It doesn't sound like the normal battle plan. Walk around the city seven times, seven days. Walk around another time. Blow the trumpet. Shout to the Lord. And the walls came down. And so, God, we are here today surrendering our hearts to you, thanking you for saving us, oh God. We are consecrating our lives to you. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything we want to be, we're consecrating it to you right now, God. We're asking you to sanctify it. And we're believing you today. We're trusting you. The very God of peace sanctify you through and through entirely. And hold us blameless into the coming of God. Lord, what a privilege it is to work with you in the fullness of the blessing, God. To conquer our inheritance. To possess the land, God. And Lord, I can see this morning. I can see with spiritual eyes the spiritual fruit, the spiritual blessing of hearts totally surrendered to you. God, as we move in, we're claiming our families for you. God, I believe right now today, some of us have been back weary. But today, Lord, you have reminded us that we will fight. We will fight. We will fight. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not corner. But they are mighty through God to destroying, demolishing, annihilating the strongholds of the enemy today. And God, I'm believing you that they will come down. God, give us the courage, oh God, today to believe you. To believe you for all that you have for us. And I'm believing that God our lives will bear fruit unto holiness this week. As you teach us. As you guide us. As we stay surrendered. As we stay low before you God. Accomplish in me. Accomplish in us all that you desire. God I give you praise. I give you praise today, Lord. I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for meeting our needs today. I thank you for filling us anew with your spirit today. You are so good. We bless you. We honor you. And Lord, whatever the battle plans are for this week, we're ready. We're putting on the whole armor of God. Let's just physically get ready for the battle this week, God. We put on the belt of truth. God, we put on... The breastplate of righteousness. We put on the feet of gospel peace, God, that that will publish good tidings, Lord. We take up the put on the helmet of salvation. Thou will keep us in perfect peace because our mind is stayed on you. And we take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, God, send us forth into battle. We're listening to you. We're listening to you. We're listening to you. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Onward, Christian soldiers, go in His peace. Go fight some battles this week.